Stay hungry, stay foolish. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I have a dream. We'll one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Knowledge is Power podcast. I'm your host, Max Willett, and man, am I excited for this episode. I've got two 3D printing experts on today, and uh, we're going to go ahead and introduce them and then totally (laughs) geek out about 3D printing, and it's going to be awesome. So uh, if you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves, that'd be great. So Steven, if you want to go ahead. All right. Yeah. Um, My name is Steven. Um, I'm the creator of the 3D Printer Academy YouTube channel. And basically on that channel, I showcase uh, different engineering designs, um, mechanical objects, um, anything really I think people would find interesting in regards to engineering, physics, and 3D printing. Um, so kind of um, a little bit educational, not really necessarily teaching 3D printing, but kind of teaching general things like how gearboxes work and how uh, automatic transmissions work and, and things like that. Awesome. So Frank, if you want to go ahead. Uh, hey guys, I'm Frank. Uh, I am the owner operator of uh, Frankly Built YouTube and so- various social medias. Um, I actually focus on, I don't want to say the opposite, but the other <laughs> side of the coin, I think of 3D printing where there's still mechanical applications, but it's more of the uh, collectible side, making Iron Man helmets, making props, and you know, making tutorials focused around them, but then also teaching people how to 3D print because if you can't get your printer working, how are you going to make the helmet? You know? Yeah. Uh, something that I, you know, on my very small YouTube channel, something that I love to try to talk about is education because a lot of people don't know a lot about 3D printing. Uh, I've been asked a couple of times, you know, what kind of ink do I use, which is pretty funny. And, uh, but that's all right. That happens. Um, but yeah, you know, right. Yeah. I mean, it's printing, you know, so if you don't know anything about it, then that's a valid question. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I'd like to get into the, you know, the life story portion of the podcast and, uh, hear your, your lives leading up to 3d printing, uh, so to speak. So Steven, if you want to go ahead and uh, share that, that'd be awesome. All right. Um, so basically I've always enjoyed making things. Um, I used to make things out of popsicle sticks and tape, uh, before I knew about 3d printing. Um, I've always had kind of a entrepreneurial mindset always uh, basically wanted to work for myself. Um, Actually, initially, my plan was to work at my parents' engineering firm and kind of take over their business. Um, But started doing that for a little bit, didn't really like it too much. um, So I decided to try to make some products. Um, And from there, uh, to make a product, you need prototypes. And the cheapest way to make a prototype is with 3D printing. So that is basically the short story of how I got into 3D printing. Um, I, yeah, basically wanted to make prototypes, found a 3D printer at a library at Cornell University, um, started using it. I was paying each time to use it. And I realized really quickly, uh, I could just buy my own for like 200 bucks, print unlimited things. 
super great. Just unlocks ultimate creative freedom, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. That's kind of why 3D printing is so cool. Like, I couldn't imagine not having a printer nowadays. Yeah. So yeah, just because because I like engineering, because I like making things. Um, I was also a physics and math tutor in college, so I guess I also enjoy teaching things as well, um, and also enjoyed making videos. So combine all those things, and boom, you get Three uh, Printer Academy, uh, where I showcase the engineering things, and I also have uh, courses that I teach online as well. So yeah, that's basically. Is my audio working? Yeah, it's great. You're okay. Great. I had yeah. the, the, the message that they had uh, trouble hearing me, but yeah, that's basically the, uh, the story of how I got started. Awesome. So what, so you said you went to college in Cornell. I went to college in California. My oh, wife okay. went to college at Cornell. So we got oh, married. Okay. Yeah. Kind of younger. I was 24 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I moved out there for her last year of school. Oh, okay. A, yeah. Awesome. So wh- where'd you go mm-hmm. to college in California? I went to a small private school called CBU, uh, okay. Cal Baptist University. Okay. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Pretty small uh, private Christian school uh, in Riverside, California. Awesome. For civil engineering. That's what I did. Civil engineering. Awesome. So yeah, I'm on, I'm on the other side of the country and I believe uh, Frank is as well. Um, I'm in little Rhode Island. But uh, great state. <laughs> but Frank, if you want to go ahead and, and explain your life story, that'd be great too. Because uh, I, know, I know you have a military background. Um, so if you want to go into all of that, that's completely fine. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, I grew up in New Jersey um, and got out of high school. Wasn't primed for college. Didn't do, didn't do the best in school. Um, bounced between a couple of jobs at first, and at about twenty one, I got married and I was working at a uh, auto customization shop. And I liked it. I liked working on cars. I always did. I always liked building things. I built Legos when I was a kid, which evolved into building Gundam models, which involved to messing up my car and spray painting things I shouldn't be spray painting, and. Um, I knew like this job, I wasn't gonna be able to sustain a family with it. Like, yeah, I made money, but I was always worried about like it getting shut down like overnight because it had some business practices that we didn't always agree with. And my buddy had enlisted in the military. He joined the Air Force and uh, he's one of my best friends in high school. And he was having a pretty good life. Like he had gotten stationed back in New Jersey. So he was pretty much living at home with his wife and he had a good paycheck, had a good career. So I'm like, you know, I, I can do this. I always wanted to join the air force and let's try this. And then I got stationed in Japan. So, uh, that didn't pan out the way we were expecting like, Oh, you want to stay home? We're going to put you on the other side of the planet. Like (laughs) the recruiter lied to me. And if anybody listening wants um, the actual inside details of what the military air force at least is like, and you think your recruiter is lying to you because he is. Hit me up on Instagram. I will talk anybody into the military or out of it. It's not for everybody, but it is the best decision I have ever made for my life. Like I would not change it. It got me in a great place. I've been in for 10 years now getting out this October. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been, it's been an experience living overseas for nine years. I've seen things I have never thought I'd be able to stay traveling Europe and Asia um, that I would never be able to afford if I still lived in America. Like it's cheap. It's like taking a flight from New Jersey to Florida 
is like going from England to Italy. It sounds bougie, but it was only a $60 flight. So it was great. And uh, after living in England for a little bit, I decided I, after seeing Avengers Endgame, I'm like, I want to make an Iron Man suit. I want to get into cosplay. I want to, how do I do this? What's the point of entry here? And I started Googling a lot of things. And 3D printing came up as like a viable option. It's like these are only like four or five. These are this is the cost of a gaming console. That's a that's I thought these were thousands of dollars, you know? And it was a big printer, it was a CR10S. It had some size to it. And I had asked my wife, I talked to her about it, like, hey, financially, like, can we do this? Are you okay with me getting a printer? She's like, I actually wanted to buy you one for your birthday, but I got so overwhelmed with all the options, I got you a PlayStation instead. <laughs> so <laughs> Um, so she was a little mad. She's like, I knew I should have gotten you the printer. I'm like, it's okay. I, she showed me the one she was going to get. I'm like, they actually would have been wrong anyway. It's not on you. There's a lot of information out there and, uh, got a printer, got some files, started working on the suit and it got out of hand really quickly. <laughs> and now we're here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, your, your Iron Man, uh, suit build series went viral basically on YouTube. Right. And that's how I got introduced to you was, was through those videos and uh, absolutely amazing. If you're watching this on YouTube, then you can see it in his background and Frank's background, which is awesome. But uh, yeah, so I'd love to hear a little bit more. Um, if you want to go more in depth about your YouTube channels, you know, uh, and your YouTube careers now, basically. Um, and, you know, what sort of was the inspiration of the way that you wanted to go uh, with your YouTube channel and uh, you know, what are your future plans with it? Um, and then we can get a little bit more into 3d printing after that. So Steven, if you want to go ahead. Okay. So everything YouTube basically. Yeah. All right. Um, I really started on Instagram to be honest. Um, just trying, well, I was designing a lot of things just for fun, basically. Um, just cool things that I thought of. Um, posted it on there. Um, actually, actually, before that, actually, let me get the story straight. <laughs> um, yeah, I was basically 3D printing. I launched my very first course on Kickstarter. And I was posting things on Instagram, like, you know, trying to promote the course and stuff. Um, Back there, I was re back then. I was like reposting other people's cool things. Started designing more of my own things. Posted that. Uh, they started taking off a lot more. Um, reels came out, so I started posting reels, and then that's when it really blew up. Got millions of views on reels um, for some of my custom designs, uh, and I'm like, okay, these people like this stuff. Um, and I kind of just threw some stuff on YouTube, just like not even like planning on making it a YouTube channel. Like, you know, some of the reels that did good, I just, you know, I posted a vertical video on YouTube. Like, you know, you're not supposed to post it. You're not supposed to put vertical videos, you know? So I, that was October, 2020 or 2019. I forget, but you know, I just threw it up there just basically for me to have, but little did I know that's when YouTube shorts came out. Um, and that video just blew up like crazy. I think that one's at like, my gearbox video 5.7 million views that's it. Uh, yeah so that one yeah that's when i knew i was like okay maybe there's something here so i started digging more into youtube um not really doing shorts doing full-length videos and i started out doing tutorials on how to 3d print 
but for me, I, I think the, it's a little small of a niche for me. I'd rather do more of a, a wider audience. So that's why I focus on teaching like, or showcasing cool, interesting engineering things. So I think there's a, a huge audience for that and it's, it's way more evergreen. So that, those videos will just continue to do good and, you know, takes, it takes go ahead. boxes, right? Cause not only yeah. are videos, it's like that satisfying render. It's just, you don't even need to care about the engineering. They're satisfying to watch. So you have that whole mm. crowd, but then you have the people who are interested in engineering. Then there's them or just want to know about 3d printing. Like you, that it's, it, it, it hits a couple of different areas there. And I think that's really awesome. Yeah, definitely has that like, um, you know, those weird satisfying videos where like the little thing is, you know. They're perfect, um, yeah, exactly. You just like watching them and you don't even really care how it's working. But like, <laughs> I'm, I'm for it. <laughs> yeah, I just try to make it entertaining, interesting. And I always try to sprinkle in some sort of educational tidbit. So, you know, people feel like they're getting something valuable out of it. Um, but yeah, now I've been full into YouTube basically. Um, yeah. Try and just awesome. post more content and trying to figure out how to scale it right now. That's, that's the big thing. Yeah. Well, I, I remember it not, what was it like? It had to have been only like three or four months ago. You only had well, only 40,000 subs and now you got over a hundred, which you more than doubled in a couple of months. Right. And yeah, it'll double again in a couple of months. That would be awesome. You know, I wish that would happen to me every couple of months, <laughs> you know, but I'm, I'm very thankful for the little subscribers that I have, but, uh, I've, I mean, in terms of my channel, I, I guess I've just, whatever's came to mind, I do a lot of sort of just recording with my mic on my computer like this and talking a little bit about 3d printing and sort of topics that interest me, like talking about some news and, and things like that. You know, I only have uh, four videos with some views, you know, my most, my most viewed video on YouTube has like 12,000 views. And that was when I was, um, in my parents' basement, uh, and I made the video there, which is kind of interesting because, you know, it, it looked like I was in my parents' basement <laughs> <laughs> and all my other videos that I put a lot more effort into don't even have a quarter or, you know, of the views. So can so, I change that perspective for you a, a little bit? Cause yeah. I just heard this in a recent corridor cast. Did you ever watch the corridor crew? Those guys. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. Those yes. are the video editing guys. Yeah. Exactly. Or the, the yeah. Okay. Artist react, that yes. Thing. Yes. So they have a podcast in case you didn't know, and it's awesome. Okay. But I'll have to look it up. It, it's my drive to work. It's awesome. I watch it on YouTube, but like, I just listen to it. You know, I don't watch it while I'm driving. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, they were talking about that. They were talking about the perspective of views. They're like, yeah, well, we used to upload a video uh, when the, the first channel started. And, you know, you get like a thousand views or 3,000 views. And now if we had a video that did that, it would be like, yikes, what happened? Because growth, you know, you have an expectation. But at the same time, if you are a smaller channel and, okay, you get 100 views, right? You get a thousand views. They were like, put those people in a room. Imagine if it wasn't a video, if it was a demonstration of you standing on stage for five, 10, 15 minutes, and you talked, you did the same information that you just presented in that video on, on a live stage, and that many people came into a room to see it. Would you be, ungrateful is not the word, but would you be as 
oh, only a thousand people showed up. But if you could see those thousand people, you'd be like, a thousand people watching yeah. this thing. And imagine having to thank all of them. Imagine having to thank 3,000 people. Imagine having to thank just 100 people for coming out and be like, thank you for listening to me babble about this thing. For Are 3D printers overpriced? Like, who really cares about that? <laughs> like, people, some people want to know that, you know? And if it's one person, if it's 10 people, that's 10 people who put that time into watching your video, you know? And anytime yeah. I have a video that might seemingly tank or it didn't get as many views, maybe it was a little bit too specific, that number I think is still a good reflection of, well, those people did care and that's cool. You know, I know it's that the algorithm game was YouTube is oof. YouTube is rough, but um, sometimes I think it's, it's good to knock yourself back down a little and think like, well, they don't all need to be hits because you know, I'm having, if you're fun with it, that's, that's the best part of it. At least, you know, um, it, it shifted my mindset quickly and like, I've never heard it put like that. And yeah, yeah. You know what? That 2000 view video kind of seems like a lot of views now when you went mm. as a, if one of the, the previous one to 10,000, it's like, that's great. But those two are still primo, I think. Yeah. I mean, Frank, if you want to go into a lot uh, more detail about your YouTube channel and sort of your YouTube journey, that'd be awesome. Um my YouTube journey's in shambles. It's it's, it's <laughs> all over the place. Well, let's um, hear it. My YouTube channel started out as a car channel. I was modifying, working on my car, and uploading tutorials because you know there's none of those videos on the internet, um, <laughs> and uh, that's what it was. I uploaded like very slowly. Um, so the creation date of my YouTube doesn't reflect when it really kicked over to 3D printing. Um, it actually took Social Blade over a year to start classifying my YouTube as a entertainment rather than um, automotive. So that was funny. And uh, I only started uploading to YouTube because I got my 3D printer and I was like, yeah, let me make a little YouTube video on just unboxing it. So I put that up there. Still a car channel, still cars. Um, and I started working on the Iron Man suit and started printing some stuff. And I posted it on Instagram. I shared some stuff on Instagram. And then I shared some stuff on a Facebook 3D printing group. And then I shared some stuff on Reddit. Oh boy. Um, if you time Reddit just right, it can, it can change your life. Uh, and I, that was the catalyst to all of this was a post of mine where it showed my suit raw printed. It was all black plastic on an armor stand. And I posted it in, I don't remember the, uh, uh, next effing level or maybe it was 3d printing or in, some, in, I don't remember where I posted it, but it overnight, it got like 30,000 upvotes and everybody wanted to know how the heck are you doing this? Like, what is this? So I was like, let me record some of this stuff. Let me talk about this journey. Let me start really, cause I had a lot of stuff recorded with my GoPro, but like, let me start. All right. Yeah. This is what I did. And I, I also started to notice that there's tons of information on making Iron Man suits. Um, but there wasn't much on YouTube, especially YouTube, about doing it with a 3D printer. And that's where that that hole was. That I was like, there's people want to know this stuff, you know, um, because not only is 3D printing new, using it to make larger stuff, cosplay was also very new. Um, so I, as I did a lot of trial and error, and I think that's what resonated most with people. And I still think resonates with a lot of my, my followers is, 
I'll mess stuff up catastrophically, but I'll show you too. I won't try to hide this perfect facade. I could show this suit on Instagram and take one picture of the suit and be like, look how great this came out. And that would come off a certain way, right? Like, all right, cool. But if the people who have been following me, they, they know like, oh, it didn't always used to look like that. And they can track that. And you can go and watch that. You can watch the struggles I have with it. You can see the frustration. You can see the mistakes because I think that's helped ground people and re- help it grounded on reality. Like I'm not just some guy on the internet who has, uh, he's rich and he just built an Iron Man student and all went perfect. It's like, oh, oh, baby doll. <laughs> if you knew, if you only knew. And I, I always try to show that. I was trying to be as real as possible with people. Like you're going to mess some stuff up. And uh, I, Steve, I'm, I'm, you've been 3D printing, you know, the things are, <laughs> things are going to go wrong and you can prep for it all you want. You can understand the machine perfectly. Everything can be calibrated, but those gremlins, man, they'll get in there sometimes and you'll just come home to a failed print. You're like, I don't get this. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the, the biggest misconceptions about 3D printing is they think that you just print the file and boom, it's good to go. Yeah. And no watch my last TikTok. Trust me. I- oh yeah. Well, well, I think a perfect example of what you were just talking about is your most recent video. I just watched the Katana video. You didn't have to show that it broke, you know, but you did. It and, and it's still, and it still came out amazing, you know, and uh, it's a very cool process. You know, something that I don't really have the patience to do is painting. <laughs> I was just telling Steven that before we started. <laughs> I, did you plan this, the duality of this, me and him? Because there's like, it, I, this is like, I like this. Like, you're like the engineering, designing your own stuff. Like, that's, I feel like we're on like the perfect opposite spectrums of what you can do with 3D printing. And like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, yeah. my whole business, Custom 3D, I've really centered it around prototyping and rapid manufacturing for people. Uh, I have 3D printing on demand, which is more consumer based part. And then I have product prototyping, which I've done a, a, a quite a few projects now, uh, designing somebody's new entrepreneurial idea from the ground up. Uh, and it's it's pretty interesting because I was thinking the same thing. You know, I do have a a, um, a crosshair uh, crosshair yeah crosshair helmet from uh, the Bad Batch that I three D printed. My buddy painted it. Um, and I did it in one piece because I didn't want to put it all together <laughs> and it took six days to print. And I'll tell you what, I, I bought two Sunlu S8 pluses Thought they were going to be junk. And at first they were, they um, need some love out of box. Yeah. Good base, but yeah, um, there's a reason they're cheap and Sunlu really drove that one home. <laughs> well, well, they, they want you to think that it's an all metal hot end at first, just based off of the layout. Sorry if we're getting too technical for people, but the, the PTFE tubing goes in at the top and stops. It doesn't go all the way through mm-hmm. to the hot metal, the hot end, you know, the nozzle, like you see on a lot of the Creality machines. And uh, I think they do that on purpose. So people say, oh, look, it's got a hot metal hot end. Well, it doesn't. There's like the thinnest tubing that goes in like the middle of the, the heat break. Right. And it runs down straight to the nozzle. So if you print constantly or consistently with PTG, it's instantly melted and gone. So within, I don't know, 30 hours of printing, it got clogged. And I was like, what the heck? Like, like 30 hours, like that's it. And this thing's. So I had to completely replace the hot end assembly with a Creality setup. I had to buy a whole new 
bracket to, you know, with the wheels to go on the, um, the, uh, X axis. And, um, so that the Creality hot end would fit, but now it works great. Um, but then actually on one of them, the, the, um, oh my God, the part that heats up, why can't I remember what the name of it that heats up the hot end broke. Yeah. The thermistor. And I couldn't find a replacement that was long enough to make it. So it goes to the top of the printer. <laughs> so now it only goes 120 millimeters tall <laughs> when it's a 400 millimeter tall printer. <laughs> but i've got two of them so one of them still goes that high so i gotta see if i can find a wire that's long enough but um yeah but yeah so i i would love to hear you know your 3d printing farms all about them so steven how many 3d printers do you have um one two three over there ones i use all the time so two ender threes Ender 3 Pro V2. Um, despite what people say, they've been super reliable for me. Like yeah. super easy. Like easiest thing. I never have to fix anything. Um, only one part, the little uh, brass nut that feeds the filament in, that got worn down. It's mm-hmm. the only thing I've done. I can hear people typing emails like Enders are terrible. Like they're going <laughs> to, that's your inbox now. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. I always recommend Ender three, like 100%. hands hands down. Despite what people say, <laughs> I think it's great. I mean, yeah, I haven't had any issues. I've I've bought a bunch of them, <laughs> so yeah. So basically, yeah, and I have a CR thirty is the belt one. Yeah, that's behind me there. Don't use it very often because Creality doesn't have a slicer on Mac, which is really frustrating. Oh. So I have to boot up into Windows, and it's just like kills the workflow mm. um yeah i got i actually have a 30 sitting right there nice and I, can, <laughs> I can as in you have more than one no i have that's that's the only oh, one okay okay that's what i said that's funny it's right in the background i got yeah. that play with there's no good profile for it yet in creality mm-hmm. belt so like my supports my raft and so my supports don't stick to the raft and then the supports don't stick to the model so everything just slides and move it's the weirdest thing but we'll figure it out yeah Yeah, hopefully yeah it's still new so yeah Yeah, for those of you that don't know a cr30 is different from a traditional 3d printer uh it's basically a treadmill is the best easiest way to put it uh and then the hot end assembly is on a 45 degree angle so it basically totally changes the rules of traditional 3d printing in terms of support material and things like that um but uh yeah i i have one too i printed a sword on it didn't come out great. I ended up breaking it and having to glue it back together. And my friend's painting that now. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a very cool printer and the slicer does have its issues. But Frank, if you want to go into detail about your 3D printing farm, because I know you have quite a few. Um, currently in my possession, on my property, I have 35 printers. Holy cow. Yeah, holy cow. <laughs> I'll use all of them though. Because... <laughs> As you guys know, maintaining multiple mm-hmm. profiles in Cura, it's so annoying. Like, no, now I got to switch to the FL Sun and now I got to print on the Mac. So let me go back to the Ender. I got to load up Flash Forge or, you know, fla- um, pr- Flash Print to print on my Flash Forge. And maintaining multiple profiles is just annoying. Um, so, in production wise, and what I use in my little farm, 
Um, I have four different printer, four different types. I have six Ender 3 or Ender 3 clones, like the Voxel Lab Aquila, um, yeah. which uh, a lot of people have talked some stuff about the firmware on that and having some thermal problems. I have never had, that thing's been more reliable than my Enders. And it's an, Same. Ender, it's an Ender 3 V2 clone for like a buck 50. It's disgusting and it just works. But there's six of those. Uh, three Ender Five Pluses. Trying to make it a fourth um, because the builds plate, the build plate, and the faux Core XY you can print so fast on that it's not mm -hmm. fair. Um, and then I have uh, six Voxel Lab Aquilas, which are literally just a re. It's a bed slinger version of the Ender Five Plus. It uses all Creality parts. It literally uses the Ender Five Plus's bed, a Creality four point two point seven mainboard. Like it's just a Creality printer with Solo slapped on the front of it. Um, and then two CR10S Pro V2s. And I think those are those are my favorite printer because they they get it's four bolts out of the box and it just works. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I'm working on adding I right now I have one CR10 Max, which I love. I want more of those because I'm being able to just print full chest and armor parts in one shot is great. That's yeah, be very kind of important in what I'm trying to do here. But I also have a CR10 S4 which is decent. It prints good. I kind of almost don't want to get rid of it, but then I have a CR 10 S five sitting over here and it is the biggest pile of junk that Creality has ever really made. awful. The entire CR 10 S five is literally a CR 10 S scaled up. It's the same yeah. pad. It's the 300 by 300 heater pad, the same power supply, the same board. The only stepper motors they upgraded was the Y axis because it's a beefier motor to pull the bed. The Z motors are the same. The extruder motors are the same and the X, it's they literally just scaled it up because people were like, we want a bigger printer. They did no R and D. It has no bracing. It has no self-leveling. The bed is always warped. It was Creality going after a money grab. You can get it to work or by spending a, like a couple extra hundred dollars on upgrades and calibrating and replacing a bunch of parts, or you can lose the 50 by 50 by 30 and buy the CR 10 max that already has all of that for cheaper. It, it's, it's an interesting printer. So I'm probably going to sell the S4 and the S5 and buy two more Maxes. So then I have three Maxes to just print gigantic stuff on. So, How yeah. many do you actually use like at a time? Because I couldn't even like just having three, it takes up all my time just printing on three printers. Um, right now in the other room, I have, I have a mock setup because it's so cold. My garage isn't insulated yet. Um, so I can't print in the garage. The second I turn my printers on and try to start heating it, they automatically trips thermal runaway because the beds are reading zero degrees Celsius and the main boards don't like that. There's mm -hmm. probably wow. a setting I could change in the firmware, but that could risk damaging the printer. Like you, it'd be very risky. So I had to convert our guest room into a print farm. So right now I have my two pro V twos on the top table, two ender threes below it. Then on my, on the bed, I put down a folding table as like a tabletop. And I have my Max and my S4 there printing big parts. So, and then I have um, printers that I'm currently reviewing for videos. I beat them up. I'll, I'll let them print projects for me that I'm working on, mm -hmm. but I also get use out of them. So it's like, all right, I can test this. I can abuse it like I would. And then I get a good review out of it. You know, like, hey, look at all the stuff I printed. Uh, like mm -hmm. this creepy 3D scan of my head. <laughs> I printed this on uh, a Delta printer, my, uh, the FL Sun Super Racer. Okay. Um, I can use this in the video now. Like, look, it printed it. This, I printed this in about eight hours, super fast. Like it's like mm -hmm. 1% infill. Um, 
So in there I have one, two, three, four, five, six, I have eight printers running in there right now. Um, if I had more outlets and sockets, I'd be running more, but right now yeah. they're all out. <laughs> you have an Etsy shop too, right? Yes. Oh, and you, what do you sell in the Etsy shop? Um, mostly helmets. People want me to okay. sell, people want me to sell giant swords. And it's like, I priced out shipping my buster sword one time. Mm. No. No. Yeah. Sir. Um, but it's mostly helmets, but my Etsy's like third or fourth order of priority. My YouTube is my main focus. I, I can't fight it too much, but I hate when people are like, Oh, you're that TikToker." I'm like, uh, no, what happened? I want, I want to be a YouTube guy, not the TikTok guy, but <laughs> exposure. So it's, it's a constant battle, right? Um, I don't, not saying bad on TikTok, but like, well, the COI of, uh, customer acquisition costs, excuse me, on YouTube is a lot higher than it is on TikTok. So, you know, having having a hundred thousand followers on on YouTube is a lot harder than getting a hundred thousand followers on TikTok. I was talking to a couple other Iron Man cosplay builders, and we kind of came to the, the rough equation equivalence of a hundred thousand on YouTube is rough. It, it feels like a million on tiktok it because mm. yeah it, it, i think that's 100 percent accurate yeah because i mean it's just it's it just it's basic it's the difficulty that it takes to subscribe or follow the person on tiktok sure. you're on your phone it's sure. boom you're right there on yep. youtube it you know you kind of have to scroll under the video that extra step adds that yep. and then you look at podcasting and and the, the acquisition cost is a little higher than youtube you know, followers, but like just how all of that works is, is very interesting. Um, I've talked to other people about that as well. Um, yeah. I mean, I know a guy that is coming at it from a different angle. I um, met this guy on uh, TikTok and we did a, uh, I 3D printed. So his name is uh, Levi Stanford. He's out in um, uh, Canada and he is missing his left arm from his elbow down and he has um, a uh, prosthetic. So I reached out to him and I said, Hey, we need to do a collaboration. So I 3d printed him a mace to put on his arm and PETG. And it came out like crap. And I don't know why I didn't reprint it, <laughs> but I sent it out. Oh, and then I have another, I'm friends with another company up in, in, in Rhode Island uh, in Providence called design formations. Great company. They do a lot of post-processing traditional prototyping and, and casting and things like that. Uh, and they have some polyjet 3d printers. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that type of 3d printing. So, um, I'll actually, I'll talk about that in a second. Um, but, uh, he put out a video. If you go to my YouTube channel, custom 3d, you can see it up there. And, uh, he tested the Mace out and that was a great collaboration. But the point that I'm getting at is he has over a million followers on TikTok, And then he has like, I think he has like 4,000 on YouTube. And if that's the ratio, you know, that you're looking at, because he has his YouTube in his link tree on his TikTok, you know, getting people cross platform is the hardest thing you will ever do as a content creator. I, mm-hmm. I, I will take that to my grave because the same reason it's hard to get people to, it's work. Oh, I, I got to press how many buttons? Yeah. You don't want to do that. They don't want to go to your profile, go to your link tree, wait for it to load, scroll, find YouTube, go to YouTube, see if you're interesting, and then subs- that's work. And yeah. it's 
I get it. I mean, I've been scrolling there like, yeah, it's interesting. Cool, 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 cool. But it doesn't mean I'm going to subscribe. It doesn't mean I'm going to take the time to go find your YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so talk about PolyJet. So I worked at an industrial 3D printing uh, or rapid prototyping firm, I guess, uh, for about a year. I interned there. And um, they had Stratasys 3D printers. They had FDM. Uh, they had... Those are crazy. <laughs> so they had uh, two F450s, if you're familiar with the models. They had a 380, which is like a smaller version. They had a 400, which is like an older version of the 450s. They had two Polyjet. They had a Connex uh, Polyjet 3D printer, a J850, one of the only ones on the East Coast. Um, then they had a uh, two Objet Polyjet 3D printers. They had two um, smaller ABS, ASA only FDM machines, 250s. That's what those are called. And then they had the Fortis 500, which is a 36 inch by 24 inch by 36 inch fully enclosed monster that can print Ultim, nylon, all those high temp materials with, you know, without skipping a beat. And that printer retails for around $500,000. Um, and I was very lucky to, to work on those machines and I loved working there, but I ended up leaving due to the, you know, um, competition because I had my own business and I wanted to grow it and I didn't feel like I could grow it working there, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Uh, really exposed me to the whole 3d printing industry. Cause I had really never known about industrial 3d printers before that. Um, and, uh, <laughs> it also, you know, I hate to say this, uh, exposed me to the robbery of spending that much money on a 3d printer. <laughs> I, love, I love seeing people on marketplace or eBay or, uh, trying to sell like old Ultimakers that were the size mm. of like bridges for like 10 grand when yeah. like, it prints just as good as them now. And it's like, so yeah, my first experience with a, th my first experience with a 3d printer was an Ultimaker. It was a, um, um, Ultimaker, um, the second one that came out. So like the second model, I don't remember the name of it. Ultimaker extended to, I don't know, two extended plus or something like that. Um, always had issues with it. Uh, it was at school. I'm in high school. Uh, and then they ended up getting a Lulz bot, which was even worse, unfortunately. <laughs> I've heard a lot of mixed things about Lulz bots, but the Lulz bot that they had there, probably because it wasn't taken care of very good, um, didn't last very long. And then they bought an Ultimaker 3, which was a really nice printer. That's when Ultimaker really stepped up their game, I thought. And they, they were getting more like MakerBot, where it was a lot more closed source and not as open, um, but still a good printer. Um, but yeah, I... I I could go on for a long time about the relationship between Stratasys and MakerBot as well, because I love, I watched, I don't know if you guys have watched the Netflix documentary yes. on, yeah, yeah, really good documentary. That dude is whack. And you know who I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The C, the C, the what's old that, CEO uh, of MakerBot. What's it called? The uh, print, print, a le print the legend, print a legend on Netflix. Uh, it basically talks about the whole 3D printing industry. Uh, after MakerBot or from MakerBot and um, and um, orders the shambles of it all and and what's the other the SLA Form Labs and Form Labs 
Yeah, and then thing like, what's this? How does that work? Yeah. And their relationship with their superiors, basically, in 3D systems from Form Labs, which is the SLA, and um, Stratasys and MakerBot, which are FDM. And I love how the old CEO of MakerBot would always compare himself to Steve Jobs oh, and say, "This is what Steve Jobs would do." He would do this. He would do that. And then he sold out his company. <laughs> if you want to watch a documentary on alienating your workforce 101, man. Oh my God. This is like I, <laughs> yeah. Like cringe. Like that's why I love the guy who founded form labs. That guy stuck to his guns and he, you know, you could say, Oh, look, Brie Pettis is worth 50 million now, but I guarantee you that guy is worth three times that because he didn't sell his company and he has a lot more respect in the industry. Exactly. No one, yeah. All you have is, you know, all he has is his brand. It's like, yeah, you're not the best person, but eh, you make good stuff, I guess, where it's like, oh, you're worth something and you're like a good human being, you know? Well, like MakerBot was all founded on being open source, right? Look, you can, Here's how we made it. This is all the parts. Here you go. We're just going to ship, send it up, uh, put it together and send it to you. You won't burn your house down. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh no, we're closed source now because we want to get bought out by Stratasys, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, could I interject? Because you were talking of about. Course. Brand of course. Who yeah. is, uh, you said you were the guy in Canada. He had, a, um, you had amputated an arm, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to plug my buddy, Bionic Author. I don't know if you've seen him on Instagram. You know, he, for those who can, can see it, he 3D prints attachments to his nub arm. And oh, that's awesome. He has so much. Usually he'll print like multiple. Oh, like, I've seen him before. I recognize him. One large thing and then he'll print a small. And his prints are beautiful. Yeah. And then he'll print something for his nub arm. And it's yeah. <laughs> the most adorable thing. And he has so much fun with it. He's a, he's a good dude. Um, sorry. Yeah. Just, you said the nub arm and 3d printing and prosthetics and yeah, no, I, and I'd love to hear your guys's perspective on, on the 3d printing industry and, uh, how you guys look at it. Um, I know it's kind of a wide open question, but I mean, we all come from different backgrounds. So, um, yeah, I don't know if Frank, you have any comments on anything else that I said, but, um, not really. I mean, no. It, yeah, <laughs> Todd, it's all right. We could we could dedicate the whole cast to that one. <laughs> well, let's do it. I mean, I don't. I mean, if you don't want to talk about it, I understand. But like, um, yeah. I mean, it. it I've I've really got love. You know, found a love of three D printing. Um, within the past three years since I graduated high school, I graduated in two thousand nineteen. So, yeah, I'm not. I'm not even twenty one yet. I'll be twenty one. <laughs> same same birthday as Elon Musk, so I don't know if that oh, means anything. Oh. Yeah, Sixty nine days before four twenty, is that right? <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We could keep it PG, Steve. <laughs> those, those are dates. Those are dates and numbers. Those are dates and numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it, it's something that I've grown to love. I have so my three D printing farm. I have uh, so my first three D printer was a Monoprice Mini Delta. Hey, I had a mono price for my print first printer too. That, yeah. They're not they're not bad. Right. Well, so that mono price mini delta was like 150 bucks when yeah. I bought it. And Mine it was, was like a great first printer. Yeah. Did you add a mini delta too? 
I had the Select V2. Okay. So it wasn't the Delta one. It was like okay. the cantilever one. Okay. That's so one, that's the one I'm thinking of, the one you had, Steven. Yeah. So I, I ended up giving that to my first. So I actually have an intern now. My I had a first intern here, and um, I actually gave that one to him. And I haven't heard back from him since he left. So he still has a, probably threw it out because it was broken when I gave it to him. So <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but then I bought a, um, a CR 10 mini, which I am absolutely in love with those printers. They have been rock solid. I have one that's over, it's going to be three years old. Pretty you soon the first person on this planet I've ever heard praise the mini. I don't know. Listen, I don't, I don't understand why people dislike it. I, I have, I only have what three of them, but I mean, they've been nothing but great to me. I have, they're printing right now in the other room. Um, and I have three of those. Uh, I have two Ender threes. I have an Ender three and an Ender three pro, and I have a Voxelab. Um, and then I have, um, Elegoo Mars pro with the Anacubic Washington Cure Station. Two Sunlu S8s, uh, CR30, and a Prusa Mark 3S Plus, which oh, I kind of slammed on them on my YouTube channel uh, because I brought I bought the multi-material upgrade for it, um, and it totally destroyed the printer. Um, wasn't good. The printer stopped working all the time. The sensors went crazy. So I took that off. 300 bucks down the drain. If you guys want a Prusa Mark III uh, multi-material upgrade, let me know. <laughs> Sitting in a drawer right now, doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> but um, that printer is, is I feel, I still think it's overrated. Um, because especially having my, my CR10 minis and my Ender 3s who... I think are actually more reliable than it. Um, I don't know if you guys have any comments on the Prusa, but uh, well, that's sort of I'm my about experience. To, I'm about to buy a Prusa real soon. You gonna buy an uh, XL? Um, I don't know if I have enough room for an XL. Yeah, it, that it thing sounds looks tasty. nice, but that thing I'll probably tasty. get probably get the pre-assembled one just because I don't know the Mark III uh, uh, or the Mini. The Mark III. Okay. Yeah, just because I, mean, I need to, I need to have it because so many people ask about it. I bought the kit. Um, I think that was my first mistake. I mean, I assembled it. it took me a long time, just because. And and for it still to be seven hundred and fifty dollars for a printer that does not come even closely assembled is and, insane. And comes with three D printed parts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of the XL. I pre-ordered one. Uh, oh, okay. I am not worried about anything I ever will say about Prusa because they don't typically sponsor or work with people who are Prusa fanboys. I'll I'll say it and come at me at the DMs. Um, I have proof of that. Uh, I have Creality. I have so I have a lot of other budget printers. So I'm not really prime marketing for them. Um, so I'm gonna buy an XL, and I already have thoughts on it. Um, one of my friends pointed out, he said, you're about to pay $2,000 for a printer that under-delivered on the size it initially said it was going to, that still comes with 3D printed parts. If Creality sold a $200 printer that came with printed parts, people would lose their minds. Granted, the mm -hmm. fan duct is kind of an exception because it's an odd shape and it is much easier to print that and it serves its purpose. 
And I get that's Prusa's niche thing. Like, look, the, the screen holder is printed. It's cool. But it's like, dude, you could buy a car for this price. Why? What? So I'm going to make very yeah. excited that in some videos. And I know I'm going to get some comments and uh, we're going to put that thing to work. Now I'm not talking about the quality of the parts and it's probably going to be a great printer. I'm going, mm-hmm. I guarantee you, I'm going to put that thing through its pace. It's probably quicker than a lot of people will. I print a lot of stuff, um, but we're going to really see it. Does my $300 Soval, can it keep up? Does it work as well? I yeah, I mean, it, I recently ran across this printer. It was by QD, QIDI Technology. Kitty Tech. And yeah. it's fully enclosed. It has. So basically, what happened was in 2020, the Stratasys um, patent went up for fully enclosed built chambers. And the design was released. And they, I think, are the first to market with a budget, fully enclosed, heated build chamber for a 3D printer for $2,500. I would buy that thing over a Mark um, uh, Prusa XL, even though it has a slightly smaller build area. Are you talking about, I think it's the Chitty Tech Max. Um, I made a YouTube video on it. Uh, it's titled The Greatest 3D Printer Ever Made. Talk about clickbait. Um, but uh, I'm I when I get the money for it, I want to buy one. There it is. Uh, because it's just such it's such a it's got and it's got and it's got interchangeable uh tools tool heads yep that's it yep and uh interesting i know well that's the thing is i think that it's it's not going to be as good as i want it to be because it's the first iteration just like anything else but i having that enclosed heated that's the key heated Build chamber will mean that you'll be able to print ASA, ABS, all these other high temp materials without skipping a beat. And it has it comes with steel nozzle, hardened steel nozzle uh, tool heads with the printer, and they just pop right in and pop right out. They're all they're um, it's direct. Uh, it's not a Bowden setup, and uh, it's it's a super interesting machine, and I would very much like to get one eventually. Have you used um, uh, Have you used that company before? I have not. I have um, their. Um, I said Quiddy in my video. I did a review video on one of them, and everyone kept correcting. Like it's shitty. It's like uh, okay, sure. Um, <laughs> companies keep naming their things like like Fuka, the, the the Focus Odin Five at Fuku's. It's like you don't gotta be witty, but um, yeah. it was the uh, Chitty Tech iMate S and it's a little bigger, about the size of the Sermon D1, like build plate size, a little bigger than an Ender. Um, mm-hmm. And aside from the Flash Forge Adventure 4 that I have now, that was the best turnkey printer I've ever used. I unbox it, pull up, you, you're going to spend more time pulling out all the styrofoam and getting all the tools out of it than you will actually setting up the printer itself. And you turn it on, it does its little leveling thing and it just fired over and over again. And it, and it was sub thousand dollars. I think the, the I made S is like six or $700. Like, so nothing, nothing and no problems with the printer, no issues with the company. Like, so if they're marketing that now, $2,500 all heated, all it, it should be, should be good. Well, that's the thing people need to understand. It's not that it's enclosed. It's that it's heated. Yeah. That has never been seen in a sub 
$20,000 3D printer before. Never, ever. I mean, you can get some used Stratasys 250s on eBay for like 10 grand or whatever, but they're not great. <laughs> um, and you have to, you know, basically buy, get into the whole Stratasys software, you know, rabbit hole that never ends. And um, it's just not a great purchase for somebody like us you know, that just wants a 3d printer to print and not have to go through a million different steps to do so. Uh, which is why I think this printer is awesome and I'm very excited for it. Uh, and it's been out for a while now. Um, think about a year, I think. Um, but yeah, very interesting. Um, so we'll be right back. Right, yeah, right back after this quick break. Hey there guys, sorry to interrupt the episode, but I wanted to tell you about the Patreon for Knowledge is Power. Now, Patreon is a great platform where you can subscribe and support the podcast through three different tiers. Now, if you want to learn more about these tiers, you can go to patreon.com forward slash K-I-P-P-O-D. Through these tiers, you can get ad-free content, exclusive content, and you can interact with other members that listen to the podcast along with getting previews of future podcast guests where you can suggest questions to ask them so thanks guys make sure to check out patreon.com forward slash k-i-p-p-o-d to support the podcast curious um, about uh frank's youtube strategy okay what do you mean i don't know i i, I was looking at your channel um you do a lot of longer form videos yeah but your shorts seem to blow up like crazy. I know. Do you not like, like, why don't you just go heavy into shorts? Because I don't want to. Because I hate you don't it. want to. I hate it. I hate oh, really? I hate it. I hate that. And I, I, I use it. I mean, so how much can I really complain about it? But it was there. It was exposure. But I had no idea how much it was going to absolutely decimate my analytics. And it, it's. I have a lot of subscribers now, but I think because of YouTube shorts, people didn't ring any notification. You don't, you can't ring the bell, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, it ballooned my channel, but then you'll, you scroll through my, you know, recent uploads. Some videos do good, but other ones get like a thousand, 2000 views. And I'm not complaining about those views, but proportionately mm -hmm. to what they should be seeing, they're not what I typically should be seeing. That means a one percent or less of my followers are getting notified in or watching that video so it's done some damage youtube shorts has actually damaged my channel it was cool to blow up yeah. like, all right cool yeah like, that's cool in numbers but it, it youtube is not what it used to be when it's it used to be about how many subscribers do you have and then if you have more subscribers you get more push and you get more views and then it's cyclic and then you can dominate now it's not about that you know um it's like all discovery basically on the homepage. Exactly. But then some videos do good. Um, I noticed that my educational 3D printing related videos, those usually do good. And that I literally just got done filming. So I have like my scanner and stuff here. Um, how to scale helmets, how to, how, to how to scale 3D printed helmets. And it's, I cover a couple different methods on, you know, brute force measuring, printing out test rings, cross sections, or using your phone or a scanner to scan. That's, that's why I have this because mm -hmm. I have the model of it and now I can perfectly scale helmets to my head. There's no more guesswork. Um, so it's those type of videos that do pretty well, uh, the 3D printing videos. And then I have the niche build videos 
Um, like my Mandalorian video did good because Mandalorian was popular at the time. Um, but I like teaching, you know, and like TikToks mm-hmm. were the fun videos. Those are for the short videos. Those are the get people interested and the ones who are really committed, who want to learn more. They do migrate over. They do. Oh, he was shit. Yeah, yeah, he has, he has a YouTube. That's awesome. Um, and then they'll go and subscribe, you know, but it, it's tricky. Um, it's, it's disheartening. Like I was actually just talking to my wife about this. It's like, I wish like there was more consistent because you do, you put a lot of work. At, and I, I do have a lot of longer videos. My how to motorize an Ironman helmet video three, that took me six, seven hours to film another two days to edit. My wife did a lot of editing on that. Cause I have work during the day. So like put a lot of work into that to make sure we got the right information out. And it's a pretty niche thing. Like, motorizing iron man helmet that's a very specific thing but that video yeah. was pretty good because people were waiting on that and i offered a lot of multitude of, it wasn't just one way to do it i tried to lower that point of entry so i'm not going to stop doing longer videos i like doing them you know i i, I like teaching it's people will ask like oh hey on tiktok can you make a video on how you sand print sand finish and paint a helmet and like i can't even do that in three minutes let alone 10 like that's not what tiktok i can't i can't do that I have a YouTube, mm-hmm. go watch that. That's where the tutorials are. That's where I want to teach you. The TikTok's the enticing thing. It's the, let me rope you in. Um, and that's why I think I, I kind of branch off of that though. I, I, I think that's what's awesome about 3D printing and why I enjoy this side of it so much because I trick people. And I've had, I had a teacher, a sixth grade teacher reach out to me. He was like, can you give like a talk or something? Like come like a, pod, like a podcast, Zoom call in my class. And I did, it was fun. And he's like, I have, I have kids now coming up to me and asking how to learn how to code. And I could never get them to do that. Um, and I'll have kids, people that message me on Instagram asking like, you know, you rope them in with like, Hey, learn how to make an Ironman helmet. It's really cool. And it seems like mm-hmm. the simple thing. They learn it's not, but it's like a mask. It's like, yeah, you're going to learn how to make this cool prop, but you're also going to leave out of that experience understanding a little bit about Arduino and coding and wiring and soldering and electricity and painting. So it's like a good trick to get kids learning. It's steam. It's mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. I, I think in a year, a few years, every household is probably going to have some type of 3D printer because think about science projects. Like it's a, that's your side of it, right? The, the engineering, the getting people interested in that. And I don't have to go and take precise measurements and cut out perfect shapes. I can literally print this perfect gear that I need for this project and start messing with ratios and understanding mm-hmm. all of engineering and brackets. And that's awesome. That's a good way to rope people in, rope kids in. Like, I don't have to sit here and draw you a picture of how this gear works. Let's print it. Let's, 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 let me show you how it works. You know? Yeah. And I think it's going to, be great for the educational system. And, um, uh, I, oh, yeah. I try to, I try to see, that's why I like my videos. I try to show you, I try to see, I could, I could very easily make my entire YouTube channel, nothing but YouTube shorts of check out my sweet Iron Man suit. You can't have it. You know, that'd be easy. Uh-huh. Probably do pretty good, you know? Um, but I don't, I don't want to do that, you know? <laughs> so, um, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I just said that's not why I got into it. You know, I wanted to start teaching people how to do this stuff, not show rubbing it in their face. So, mm-hmm. sorry, I'd like to, I have a question. I have a question about the Ironman suit. So what was a total combined print hours? If you have that number or guesstimate that you don't it took, I have that number. Do you have that number? I don't know if that was in one of your videos, but what is, 
I have like 200 videos. They're not, they're not missed for missing out on some information. <laughs> <laughs> uh, about 1,100 print hours roughly went into this one. About 1,300 hours went into this one. Wow. Another one I printed and sold was only 800 hours uh, because it had a lot less detail and parts. Um, I was able to get away with um, better support placement um, and... Yeah, so I, I was better at it, right? Um, you learn mistakes. I shouldn't have oriented that way. So, um, yeah, about eleven, about eleven hundred hours for the first suit. So, um, what was the most difficult part of of building it? Fitting, getting yeah. it, and being able to move in it. It'll be it's the it's the hard. It is will always be the hardest part um, because the more accurate you want to get it, and you want to close up those gaps so you can't see your skin through the arm or the leg or the the more accurate you get, the harder it is to move because now all the parts are too close together. So you can't walk as easily and um, just fitment because very few people are actually proportioned like Iron Man, you know, a six foot, mm. 30 inch waist, long legged, small headed, muscular body. Like that's not a human proportion. Um, so it's tricky. It gets tricky at times. I yeah. Probably- I wear boosters. I'm five foot eight. I'm not six foot. I wear booster shoes when I'm in the suit to make the legs seem longer. And, you know, and I talk about that in my videos. I'm like, I want to try to get the proportions as good as possible. Luckily I'm a skinnier. I stay in shape. So like my waist is small enough. Like I do fit the upper part better, but my legs are short. So let me try to, you know, wear taller shoes and it kind of works. So I design it. Oh, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. You design it all yourself. No. So this might annoy you and I apologize. I don't know how to 3d model. Mm. Like I don't, I, 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 I used to mess around with CAD. I understand the ins and outs of it. Like I understand 3d manipulation meshes. I, I, if I wanted to start, I want to learn how to 3d model and get like, so I can do a lot of my own stuff, but all the stuff I've wanted to make and print up until this point, someone else who's better than me has already modeled it. Uh-huh. And, and that's something I always try to drive home on a lot of my videos is you don't need to know how to 3d model. Like you don't need to be scared to get into this hobby because if you're a fan of something, as long as it's not really specific, there's other fans of it. And there's people who want to model it. And there's people who want to model it and print it. I, uh, my buster sword, the file I did for my giant buster sword, no one had ever printed this dude. His name's 3d Dutchie. No one had ever printed his file. And I found him online and sent him pictures of it. And he was over the dang moon about it. He was floored. Mm-hmm. And that's what the experience I've had with nearly every single 3D model I've dealt with. I've you know commissioned. I've had them design me stuff. I found their files. They've sent me files. They love seeing their stuff made. And people ask the question like, well, well, I don't want to steal things from 3D modelers. It's like, if they didn't want their stuff printed, they wouldn't put it out there. They they, that's literally why they make it and put it on Etsy and make money off of it or yeah. Thingiverse for free. They want to see this stuff made. And um, the guy who made my Stormbreaker axe, he printed one and it, he even admitted, it's like, it came out awful. I don't know how to paint. I'm bad at it. I can model, but I don't know how to build this stuff. So when I, I showed him mine, he's like, that's exactly what I envisioned it to look like. And he was grateful for it. So like, you don't have to feel bad. Now there, there are the rules of, buying and selling and you know selling prints and making a profit off of it is it okay with the modeler i it's an ongoing battle of you know ip and control but like 
Mm -hmm. Just check with the modeler. Like they're my this Captain America shield here. I can't sell that. It's a free file off the Thingiverse. He didn't put the right Creative Commons license on it, and I'll never try to sell it. I'll abide by that. Like, mm -hmm. or if somebody has that license or they didn't better ask for forgiveness and permission. Not in this case, not with the 3D space, because you can quickly get burned and blacklisted if you start selling somebody's files. We weren't supposed to sell, you know? Um, so. Yeah, it's pretty easy to know also. So you can't really use that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, oh, no. well. <laughs> there's those WhatsApp and those, those group chats. There's tons of them. And what they do is they trade. They'll all go in. Um, oh, there's a hundred dollar file. And they do this. They did this for this suit. This suit got leaked hard because what they did, it was, there was like 200 of them. They did a group buy and that's how they justified it in their heads. They all chipped in 50 cents. One person bought the file and distributed it to all of them. But DO3D still made their money. That's what? That's not. If you rent a hotel room, and you're only supposed to be the first per one person that you run one night, one person, but then you go and have a hundred people stay in it mm. and you don't feel like you ripped off the hotel. Really? Like, yeah, people do that all the time with files and they've been doing it with Walsh 3D, Vec 3D, one person will buy the files and then they'll distribute it to all their, they, the model made enough money off it. It's like, that's not your choice to make. That's not how sales and business works like, people don't understand how you can't go into a store and, yeah like you can't go into a store and grab a coke and be like coke's made enough money I, this is free that's not your choice to make dude like yeah no yeah. i hate that i i've gotten stolen files before that buster sword i said i printed it had a etched file oh no it was stormbreaker kidding it had 3d quinton esp in one of the, the files like you could see his name so i went to his instagram like oh this is the dude and then I saw his Etsy and that he was selling the file. I don't know who gave me the file initially, but I'm like, oh, someone pirated this to me. So I messaged him. I bought the file. I just went on his Etsy and paid for it. I messaged him I'm like, hey, man, someone leaked your file. Sorry, I printed it. I paid for it. My bad. And he was so great. He's like, no one does that. Thank you. Like, no one, you didn't, you, no one would have ever known. I wouldn't have known. I'm like, yeah, it just didn't seem right. Like, I know it was stolen. Like I didn't pay for the file. I shouldn't have it. So, and now we're friends. He models stuff for me if I ask and I pay him. <laughs> Worked out. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird space. Weird space. I mean, I would say that I'm almost completely self-taught when it comes to CAD. Um, I did take a class at the local community college, you know, while I was going to college, but, uh, or am going to college, but I switched my major. So I don't, take engineering courses anymore but uh it's very interesting to hear the different skill levels um of my friends who have gone to four-year schools and are taking engineering uh classes and getting a mechanical engineering degree and how little cad exposure that they have uh i cannot design every single one of them and all I've been doing is watching YouTube videos. Uh, I'm not a hundred thousand plus dollars in debt, which is what they're going to be by the time they graduate. Uh, I'll still be in debt, but not a hundred thousand dollars, you know? And um, yeah, it's, it's just insane. And it's very sad because uh, it's such a useful thing to know, especially since the amount of money you can charge for design is insane. 
just because so little people know how to do it. It's very niche. And uh, it's sad to see that people aren't educated on it because it's very easy to get ripped off too. Uh, You know, like if somebody wanted this tape dispenser designed and 3D printed, you know, somebody doesn't know anything about CAD and they just wanted their logo put on it, you know, you could charge somebody a thousand bucks for that design and they would have no idea that they just got ripped off because this would take 10 minutes to do in SolidWorks, you know? Um, But yeah, that's something that I try to be very honest and upfront about is, hey, listen, like, this is what I charge. This is how long it's going to take me. And uh, because I get a lot of, like I said before, I do a lot of custom design work for people and I'm still learning different things about CAD and how deep it really goes and it, and the millions of things that you could that you need to know millions of exaggeration but you know that you need to know in cad and it's a very difficult thing to to get good at um You're scaring we're talking you out of it. <laughs> it listen 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 i can tell you this right now i mean it's the process of designing that is difficult. So if I want to go ahead and design something, there might be something where, you know, you have to design it where it's easy to go back and fix things, right? Because if you do things in one giant sketch, right? And then you go through and you edit and you manipulate all these different parts. And then there's one thing that you want to change and you can't change it because it's all one big sketch and you can't change it unless you change the whole entire sketch. That sucks. You have to start the whole design over again. You know, whereas if you, you know, if you have to like build it in different sketches, you know, so then you can go in and edit sketch one and it doesn't affect sketch three, you know, it's, it's very interesting, but Steven, I got a question for you. So earlier you've mentioned, and I've seen on your website before that you teach about 3d printing. So I'd love to hear you go in depth about the courses that you offer and why you did it in the first place. Okay. Um, so I'm actually working on a new course right now. Um, it, it actually launches on Tuesday. So I've been putting a ton of time and energy into that one. And what I want that course to be is like the most uh, like comprehensive course for any skill level of person uh, that wants to make their own stuff, basically. So whether you want to design props uh you know like little tiny set pieces for your board games um, or you want to design some mechanical thing Um, basically it's more focused on the design portion and just getting it to print well so i'll teach them like for the people that don't have a 3d printer i'll i'll go through the pros and cons of different types of 3d printers Um, i'll teach them how to set set it up how to level the bed and everything because you know a lot of people really struggle leveling the bed you know, I mean, we've been doing it a lot. So it's like a piece of cake for us, but still like when you don't know anything about it, it's like, what am I doing? So I, I go through all the basics first, then I teach fusion 360, um, which is great for the mechanical things. And then I also teach blender, which is good for more organic shapes because you know, it's meshes versus solid body modeling. Um, yeah. So that course is going to go through all of that, um, have, over 200 video lessons so it's you'll basically i guarantee you'll be able to design anything except probably for character design i'm not going to go deep into character design because that's sculpting characters is a whole different ball game that's really hard that's more like 
an intent, intense like art skill that you have to have. But if you want to design like, I don't know, your own chess pieces or I don't know, any mechanical thing, an adapter, you know, all of that you'll be able to do through the course. Um, so yeah, that's actually, I launched my courses on Kickstarter. Um, so next Tuesday or this Tuesday coming up February 2nd, hopefully it goes well. I'm trying to make it my like absolute best. I'm reinvesting everything I have back into it. So yeah, that's interesting. So how do you, you say you're launching them on Kickstarter? Yeah. What are you hosting classes? Like, do they, is it like a monthly class or a Skillshare kind of class? Like how do you, how do people actually go and watch the class or take the class? Yeah. So I'm structuring this one more as kind of like a monthly, you know, the monthly platform. Um, but I'll be hosting it on Teachable. Uh, that's the platform I'm, I'll be using. I did host it myself on my website before um, using a, like, some some guy in Europe built this add-on for Shopify. I was using that. Then he changed his pricing structure and all these things. It's a little awkward, so I'm getting out of that one. But I also have courses on Udemy, uh, Skillshare as well. Um, those are going to be, like, smaller, like, one-off courses, but the big complete one will only be on my website. Gotcha. So you, you kind of laughed at Teachable. What? What? Do you have experience with Teachable? They reached out to me too. Uh, I don't know if you reached out to them. You don't need to say, but they, uh, um, yeah, they reached out to me asking me for a similar kind of class, a start to finish. Um, get your first printer. What do you look for? How do you set it up? Uh huh. Um, how do you find files? What are the pros and cons? How do you scale helmets? Like they wanted, like take somebody through all of it, you know? Um, yeah. And I didn't say no, but I didn't say yes <laughs> yet. I kind of was like, listen, like I just moved back to America. We're kind of big transition going. Like this is not a time for me to buckle down because I can already tell how much work you've probably already put into it. And there's probably tons that we'll never oh, know yeah. about, you know? It's um, a big commitment. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, so exa Exactly. Um, I tried to take a, a monthly class, Mark Rober's monthly class. I tried That's to. Just take I wanted to take that. I, I couldn't even finish it because I had so much stuff going on between work and this and the move. Like I literally just, I had no time and I'm like, uh. <laughs> it was yeah, cool. that's goals. Goals for me. I want to, I want my course to be as good as Mark Rover's course. That's my goal. Do you actually meet him in that or is it just all I videos? I have a live. It's okay. It's, yeah. Um, it's all uploaded, pre-recorded. He does act while the class is going he is there actively reviewing and working on, but uh, he's not like, you know, live teaching it. I can go, I got through like three or four. It's a lot of work. Like you actually have to watch a class basically every night. There's projects due at the end of every week. There's interactions and discussion boards. Like it was a lot more intense. Like when my wife bought it for me, for my, my, it was 500 bucks or my it was 230. Yeah. That was like, yeah, it was like sub 300. My bad. Yeah. Um, she didn't even know how intensive it was because like she saw how much I was having to work. She's like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I, I'm like, it's not your fault. Like it's no one's fault. We didn't know. I can still go back and watch all, like I could continue it, except it just wouldn't be live. I wouldn't have the actual interaction and pure feedback. We made a discord, like the whole class I was in, like there was 40 of us made a discord mm -hmm. so we could talk and do projects, but I just, I, I couldn't keep up with it. And that was just taking the class. Couldn't imagine having to organize and vet and, Man, good on you. That's that's awesome. 
Yeah, yeah. I wanted to also, like, I'm, I am planning on doing, like, the projects kind of like he does, but I'm kind of making it so people could reference certain things. Like, if you want to know how to make a sketch in Fusion, you could just go directly to the sketches lessons. Exactly. Uh, so you don't have to, like, you can it, always go back and be like the more specific you get, the less it's you got. Yeah. You want to keep it a little wider. So a bunch of, it's approachable from a bunch of different people, which is yeah, that's, that's smart. My would probably be a little bit more specific, unfortunately. Um, yeah. And I always feel weird when I get approached by those, because I still don't consider myself an expert. When do you, what, what credentials do you need for that? I'm versed in it. I, I, but I'm, I'm sure I could say one or two wrong things that, you know, somebody else like Joel would be able to call me out on. Not that he would, he's like the nicest human ever, but like, you know what I mean? Like, when do mm -hmm. I try to exude that expertise? I'm only showing people what I know and what I've messed up on. I'm not saying it with facts. Like, no, this is the way this is, it, it's tricky. I feel like that's tricky water to tread. You seem way more qualified in that than I do, if I'm being honest. Like, so you have. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you're ever like 100% qualified for anything. I think that's just life. Yeah. But I have learned a ton of stuff. So I, I think there's a lot of value I could add. I think, I think a lot of things people, I mean, not a lot of people miss, but experience is what I think gives you the, the, that, the that ultimate sorry go that, that, yeah, exactly no experience yeah that's the that's the tried and true like well what makes you qualified well i've printed like 500 helmets mm -hmm. like i don't maybe yeah i'd say i'd say you're judging by the looks of your prints in the background you're like 10,000 percent qualified <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, like, it's tricky to stay qualified in this 3D printing, I think, is in its quantum leap stage. This is like when cell phone prices dropped, you know, and mm -hmm. Blu-ray, you know, remember when Blu-ray players used to be hundreds of dollars? Now it's like, no one cares. Everything has a Blu-ray player. You don't even blink at it anymore. I think 3D printing is in that quantum leap. It's a race to the bottom and it's driving everybody's price down. And yeah, I think we're at the, uh, the Apple II stage. Yes. So if, if a computer... It was the yeah. 1980s. I think that's where 3D printers are. Yes. That is, I think that is the best comparison I've heard of 3D printing because I've always wondered, like, where's 3D printing? Like, what? Like, it's somewhere in the realm of its existence. I don't know where, though, because oh, it's it. like, the, yeah, we're in it. We are. The fact that I have a $150 printer sitting behind me that can mm. pump out all of the stuff in my room, that's insane. That yeah. That's incredible. I definitely think in the future, you'll probably not have to learn how to use a 3D printer. I think so. That's it's a big thing. Clients. It's going it, to, it's going to, yeah, it'll just be like your, an your air fryer. Printer. Yeah. An air fryer. <laughs> it'd be like a regular <laughs> printer. You know, you just send it. And that's what people are trying. I think companies are trying. They're not quite there yet, but you're right. And that's what a lot of, that's the trick, right? A lot of people see the stuff we make. And they're like, oh, I can just get this printer and plug it in and it works. It's like, it's not a microwave. It's a tool. It's not an appliance yet. And there's a, there's a difference. You need to learn how to use the tool. Everyone knows how to use a microwave. It, yeah. You know, it's, it's different. I, I think, think that's what, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I think 20 years, in 20 years, we'll see huge improvements. I think a lot of patents will expire. 
And once those patents expire, like the second round of patents expire, I think just blow up like crazy. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this 3D printer. It's called the Mojo. It's by Stratasys. It was, it's a small, yeah, like five by five by five 3D printer, ASA, ABS only. That's the thing about a lot of those Stratasys 3D printers is you drop 15, 20K and they only print ABS or ASA. No TPU, no PTG, no PLA, nothing. No other high temp materials. It's just those because they have NFC chips in them and they won't let you print. But anyways, um, I lost my train of thought there for a second. But yeah, it's I just lost my train of thought. I don't know why, but it happens. <laughs> the future of 3D printing. Yes, the future. That's such that's so hard to predict is within 20 years, you know, what's gonna happen. But I think that the mojo. Something similar to that, you know, probably half that size, but it has to be fully enclosed and heated and something like that. Um, just because in order to get reliable prints, it, you need to have heat like that. It helps immensely. And I think it needs to be a material that, you know, can be left out in the sun and won't warp or discolor or where, where ASA comes in nice, you know, and, and, and I think it needs to be, be able to print that type of material and have that kind of reliability. You know, there's something about those machines, those expensive 3D printers is sure they only print two materials, but they don't skip a beat. You know, when they break, it's maybe once a year, you know, and it's, it's insane, but oops, oh, have something to add, Frank. I think the big hole in the hobby right now, or just the 3D printing space is recyclability. Oh, dude. It, there's, that no one the, the 3d printing companies don't care they don't they don't have the a reason spools dude the spools spools alone but i have i have the scrap prints from this suit in a box in my garage i've saved dang near every bit of support failed print wasted material in two and a half years of printing i still have most of it because i'm waiting to break a threshold in my mind i'm thinking a hundred kilograms of waste material will finally let me justify buying one of these filament recyclers. So they're all, I'm all, like, they're all sorted by color material. Like this is Sunloose PLA plus, and this is eSun's PLA. And this is, they're all sorted. I've been keeping track of that, but there's no incentive for 3d printing, especially the filament companies. They're the, yeah. the last ones who want you to be able to do this. No one cares, but like, so we're realistically, I just have to recycle all of it. And yeah, it goes to a proper recycling facility and some of it can get stored and processed, but that adds to an infrastructure that already is overtasked, right? Recycling there are, and people already aren't doing it enough. So um, I think as it grows and becomes more readily available, because I'll see those comments on my YouTube. I'm you probably, I don't know if you get them too, but like, well, we're all that wasted plastic. It's like, it's not a waste. We're learning something. We're trying to do something fun. Like, is that a waste? But then there's the actual wasted materials. It's like, mm -hmm. if I, and if I want to use this thousand dollar filament recycler, I still need to pulverize my failed prints in the pellets. There's no good system for that. Like I'd have to buy like a $5,000 industrial shredder. That's going to pull like, there's no good way for me to just recycle this stuff. And if that was more readily available, like along with the printer that, if any tech moguls are listening, like there, there's your hole to fill. Make a actual yeah. filament recycler, or let me melt it down into coasters or something, some way to reuse this at my house where it's not just a box of scraps that's collecting dust that I have no idea what to do with. 
Whenever anybody says box of scraps, all I can think of is Tony Stark built it with a in a cave with a box of scraps. Now that you have the, uh, <laughs> the box of PLA. Yeah, box of PLA. But oh, you mentioned Joel. So do you have you met him before? That's a 3D printing nerd on YouTube. Have you met him before? Uh, we, we've talked, we talked. I've never met him before. Okay. Uh, and then okay. Uncle Jesse in person. We went to uh, Uncle. So that's did he make a video on recycling 3D printing or is that somebody else? So somebody made a video talking about the biggest issue with oh, was it Joel? Teaching tech. Teaching oh, tech. Oh yeah. The, the great 3D printing's greatest lie, like the biodegradability of PLA, which mm-hmm. I even fell for. I didn't know it needed certain enzymes in a certain environment to be broken down. You can't just bury a PLA print and expect in a hundred years it'll be degraded because I mean, ignorantly, that's kind of, I thought, all right, it would break down. It's cornstarch. It's, there's a lot of other materials in it and it's, it's not really biodegradable at all. Um, it, it, the video is worth a watch if you haven't seen it, but yeah, uh, I wasn't sure if that's, what that. market. that's what's a lot of companies market, right? Biodegradable. It's like put a little asterisk next to that or don't use that word. Cause you're lying. You're, you're, they're, they're lying. That's all it is. And PLA is the only acceptance to that because PTG isn't TPU isn't like, you know, like it's, you're only marketing this one thing as biodegradable and it's not even biodegradable. So. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's weird, you know, cause I've seen like people do try to do those tests online and the boat's still, excuse me, the benchy is still there in the ground, completely the same color. And that was it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 That was that video. Great videos. I can bury this suit in the ground. I mean, I'm sure the paint's going to, the eyes of the PLA expands from a little bit of moisture, but like, it's going to be there. Right? Yeah. So, so uh, do you guys have anything else you'd like to add or uh, nothing? Alrighty. So uh, this has been a great conversation. So usually I ask my guests as the last question, uh, what is the, you know, a piece of advice that you want to lead the listener? I think the, uh, a great way to cap this off is if somebody's getting into 3d printing, what sort of advice do you want to give them? Uh, so, Stephen, if you want to go ahead and answer that. Um, biggest piece of advice, 3D printing-wise? Um, man. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um, it's okay. Just, uh, I mean, you don't have to get into it. If you like making stuff, then it's game-changer. Um, gives you ultimate creative freedom, essentially. Um, it does require a little bit of tinkering, uh, but just follow what you like doing. That's my biggest advice, just kind of in life in general, actually. Just if you like doing it and you're helping people, then it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Frank? If somebody came to me and they were like, I want to get into 3D printing. What should I know? Uh, know that you're going to mess up. I mean, yeah. I know that I, I just, I wish I could say it to more people who have that misinterpretation of it and that, that unrealistic expectation. You're going to mess stuff up and that's normal. That's fine. Just learn why that happened. Learn why that mistake happened because there's always a reason. Seldom did a gremlin come into your room and knock your print over, you know, but 
there's typically a reason. 99% of the time, you, it was a misleveled bed. You didn't clean it. Temp was wrong. Tangled spool. Your G-code sucked. You didn't put supports there. You bought in a net. Like you did something wrong. <laughs> um, so just embrace that. Embrace that. Run with it. Grow. And at the end of the day, they're cheap enough now where if it turns out you suck at it or you don't like it, what'd, what'd you lose? 180, 150 bucks if you got an entry-level printer? That's, that's not bad. Better lose a couple of grand. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate, appreciate you guys putting aside the time to talk and uh, this has been awesome. And uh, guys, if you uh, want to email the podcast uh, to ask questions for future guests, email me at knowledgespowerri at gmail.com. Uh, make sure to check it out on Instagram. And not that this is going to make any difference, but if you haven't heard of them, uh, 3D Printer Academy or Frankly Built, um, you should check them out. You know, not that I have a lot of followers right now, but you should check them out if you haven't heard of them. <laughs> but yeah, like guys, I, I really, really appreciate it. You guys don't know how much this means to me uh, trying to get this podcast up and running. Uh, you guys have great channels, so keep up the great work and I will continue to be fans and watching every video. So uh, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, and, thanks uh, for having us. It's nice yeah, meeting no you, problem. Frank. Thank you. You too, man. We got to talk more. I'll yeah, for sure. I want to. I want to know things. We're gonna be in touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Alrighty, guys. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you in the next one.